making sales social is more about listening and digesting and comprehending what is going on with your client base, your prospects, and the industries and where they operate. And I think with the proliferation of social media and, and quite frankly, just internet data available at, at the, the touch of your smartphone, making sales social empowers you as a salesperson to be a better student of who ultimately you want to do business with. And uh, that is something that has been expanding over the past number of years. And I think it's uh, it's even expanded more so in the past 12 months as we've all been uh, moved to virtual selling environments. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast, featuring the top voices in sales and marketing. Join hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick as they discuss the best tips and strategies they are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here are your hosts, Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick. Hey everyone, welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bill McCormick. I'm Bryn Tillman. So Bryn, who's joining us today? We have someone directly from LinkedIn, Sales Solutions, Jesse Rothstein, who apparently has been following our content for a long time and has recently published a book called Carry That Quota, which we're really excited about to really help salespeople even more than he is by offering Sales Navigator as a product. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bryn. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. And I have to say, it's such an honor to have a global account manager at LinkedIn follow our content and love our tips and even ask for some thoughts around how to promote your book. So um, we're thrilled to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, no, glad to be here. And like I said, uh, been, been following your content and ideas for years and um, very much a fan of, of what you put out there as uh, ultimately, I think we're aligned that you know, helping salespeople getting better at the craft is something that you know, we, we, we all believe in. Yeah, love that. For, for sure, for sure. So, so Jesse, we start every episode by asking every guest the same question. So Jesse, tell us what does making sales social mean to you? Yeah, to me, making sales social is more about listening and digesting and comprehending what is going on with your client base, your prospects, and the industries and where they operate. And I think with the proliferation of social media, and, and quite frankly, just internet data available at, at the, the touch of your smartphone, making sales social empowers you as a salesperson to be a better student of who ultimately you want to do business with. And uh, that is something that has been expanding over the past number of years. And I think it's, uh, it's even expanded more so in the past 12 months as we've all been uh, moved to virtual selling environments. That, that's great. So being a student, uh, I, I don't think we've heard anyone put it that way, but that's so, so good. I'm curious, I started looking through the book. I just got it the other day, so I haven't had a chance to read it. But in, in your epilogue, epilogue, you talk about the um, the future of sales. Yeah. So, and I know you wrote that, like, I think around 2019. So I'm curious with what's happened in the past year, you know, two, 2020 continued. Are any thoughts about that? Has, sale, has your thought of the future of sales changed even more since you wrote that, that part of the book? It has a little bit. It has a little bit. I, I think the, um, 
the trends that we're seeing in our personal lives very much are are following our our business to business lives and i think the pandemic has exa- you know exacerbated the concept that in our consumer lives i mean if you look at some of the data um, regardless of the source the online purchasing habits for everything we buy now um, you know, it just went through the roof when the pandemic took hold of the world. And for many folks who never thought about, you know, buying groceries online or, or buying, you know, pharmacy oriented things online, they, they, they figured out how to do that very, very quickly, you know, you know, about a year ago, and, and that hasn't necessarily changed. And then in the B2B context, I think it's the same thing. I, I think, you know, buyers were incredibly empowered prior to the pandemic, and we saw those shifts of them researching salespeople, researching companies, their products, their services. And I think that's been, you know, exacerbated as a result of the pandemic. So, you know, the, the trends I think are accelerating, um, not to be doom and gloom, but I, I fully believe that the B2B sales profession is shrinking. And while I don't think that means the extinction of B2B salespeople, I, I think it does mean a thinning out of folks who are who have the ability to not only find problems but solve problems for their clients the days of just exchanging information and transactional you know pricing and deal making i don't think those days will ever go away but i think you'll see more and more people buying commodity oriented things online because that's what they're now used to buying for their own personal needs i yeah. love that and and so i, I do agree commodity product. It's uh, harder and harder to get in front of the right people in, and to get that conversation for sure. One of the things that you know we talk about all the time is that social selling is about being a resource, bringing insights, being a value and, that, and growing relationships. And then the sales will come when the time is right. Um, we have a, a, a colleague friend in the business who had a video that has gone incredibly viral, probably almost a million views on LinkedIn. And she talked about buying a car and the difference between someone who said, you have to come in and test drive it. She was buying a hundred thousand dollar Porsche to <laughs> someone else that said, Hey, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to bring it to your house. I'm going to, you know, all these and how, you know, the, the relationship was the difference in who she purchased from. So in the B2B world, I think that relationship is even stronger and more powerful. And in today's virtual world, where are you going to meet these people? We used to go to conferences and trade shows, and maybe they're coming back. I don't know if they'll ever come back the same way that they were, because we found that we can do so much more online for less money and hit more people. And so LinkedIn now becomes the networking meeting, the conference, the trade show. So while, you know, Bob Burke talks about, you know, and he's the, one of the authors of, of The Go-Giver and, and Endless Referrals, you know, uh, the, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Well, ultimately, how are we getting to know people today? And I think on LinkedIn, it's about attracting them teaching them and engaging and that's how they get to know us so thank you for that i just inspired all that funness in me well, well so let's go back to the shrinking to the the okay. shrinking b2b sales force because i i find that that interesting and i i think you're you're definitely right so now if if i'm a salesman then i'm listening i'm a salesperson i'm listening to this okay how do i differentiate myself then 
what do I do? Because there's a lot of noise on LinkedIn right now. There's a lot of people, you know, that are reaching out maybe in not so great ways. Yeah. And, and, and so how do I differentiate myself from all the noise? How do I stand out? What are some of your, some of your advice for that? Yeah. So, you know, whether it's, whether it's LinkedIn in a digital format or, or whether it's another social platform or, or even, you know, hopefully at some point we can get back to, you know, in-person interactions. Although I do agree that it, it may not ever get back to be, you know, the way it once was. My big piece of advice, you know, it hasn't really changed even, even since the pandemic um, has kind of taken hold, but I'm a real big believer that salespeople need to be content creators, content distributors, and often resources of value through content for not only their network, but their prospects and their existing clients. So, you know, one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is all salespeople allocating the right amount of time to not only share content that's relevant to their industry or, or the products and services that they interact with, you know, each and every day as part of their job, but, but also just being interesting and creating, you know, video, written, um, in some cases, visual content if they have artistic abilities. But um, the idea of being interesting in business and in life, you know, that hasn't changed because we're now all in front of screens. So I think salespeople that have this idea of, I am a content creator, I'm a content distributor, and I'm a facilitator of that content. I think that's a big step in terms of separating themselves from just the classic using social platforms to sell and pitch or connect and pitch. You got to be interesting. Um, that that's who people want to interact with, whether it's in person or digitally. I love that. One of the things we say is connect and pitch is a bait and switch. True. So, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I think that's a huge differentiator because I think if you were to talk to most salespeople and, I, and I'm, I'm being, I'm going across, I'm being stereotypical here, but I think I can be, and they'll tell you they don't have time. I don't have time. You know, there's KPIs and there's KPAs, right? And, and the bosses, their sales directors are looking at KPIs. I think of content creating, creation as a KPA, you know, a known performance action that we can that we can do, but really what the leaders are looking for are indicators. But yes, I agree with you that that will set people apart. An interesting study that I, I heard from McKinstry did a report on the, on the B2B buying journey through the pandemic. And what they found is that 77% of buyers say they prefer a first meeting with a sales rep to be, are you ready? Via video. And, and they, even, they even said over a phone call, they would rather it be via video. And so that's, that's an area that's not going to change. That's not going to go away. So I just want to, just because we use lots of acronyms. So KPAs are key performance activities. This is for the listeners, right? Yep, for yep, everyone yep. out there. These are the things that you do that drive KPIs, key performance indicators. Most salespeople, most sales leaders are only interested in the indicators, the data. Right. Where the activities are what drive the data. So right. content, for example, in creating content is an activity and we can't get to our goals without that activity, but a lot of sales uh, leaders miss how important that activity is. And the last thing I'll say, and then you go to your next question, which I, I am excited about is I love what you said, Jesse, um, around that they've got to create their own content. That content 
is what shows, it gives your buyers almost a little test drive of the value you can bring for them. Right. So that, you know, so what you're saying, I just want to kind of just reiterate for everyone, this is foundational. When Bill asked what gets you to stand out, original thought leadership and content is why someone, why would someone want to talk to you? You have to earn the right and you right. do that through thought leadership. So I just wanted to say that. And Jesse, I think that was brilliant. Bill, back to you. Great, thanks. So, so we're talking about video. And so uh, you mentioned it when you talked about, sure. you talked about content. I'm curious how you're leveraging video in the sales process, in the relationship building process now um, as, a, as a sales rep. Yeah, so I, I think a couple different ways. First and foremost, when you think about top of funnel pure prospecting, you know the ability to leverage. I mean, there's so many great video tools out there. You've got um, you got Vidyard, you've got OneMob. Um, even within you know your your smartphone, um, you have the ability you know to to take a video of yourself and you can put it on Twitter. You could put it on LinkedIn. Or to a certain extent, on you know LinkedIn.com um, with your first degree connections, you can communicate with with video voicemail or video messaging, which is powerful. So, the top of funnel activity stuff is is what you would kind of think. I mean, it's custom customized, it's personal, you know, it's reaching out using those tools or multiple tools as as part of your outbound touches. When you think about getting deeper into the cycle or getting into the cycle with an existing client or maybe a current deal that you're working and you're you're piloting something or you're got a contract that you're working to renew and grow. One of them that, that my team and I at LinkedIn have been leveraging, which has been not only fun, but, but also engaging with the client is very similar to this interaction on Zoom, where we're kind of all, you know, you know, it's, it's like a TV show slash podcast slash radio interview. You know, we're doing the same thing. We're, we're leveraging tools like Zoom. We're leveraging another one called StreamYard, which is, um, you know, another video recording concept, which, which does very similar functionality. But the idea of engaging with clients and interviewing them, not necessarily about the product and service that they're buying from you and how's it going and you know giving it plugs, but more about putting them in the spotlight and, and asking them to share their content and what's top of mind for them. And then using that as a mechanism to not only educate you know, other folks at the company, but using it on social platforms to educate the universe as to what it is your client is doing and maybe how they can help uh, from their perspective. So those are two examples. And, and again, I, I think that they work well, um, but they work well when they're personal and they work well when they're organized and there's a delivery and a message that's relevant. Um, if you're just using it as an automated robotic mechanism to spray and pray, just like emailing or voicemails, it, it's not going to get you too far. No. In fact, here's what I'll say about using automation with your face or your profile picture on it that's going to hurt you so badly because you know back in the 80s when there was telemarketers and then b2b telemarketers and then email marketing we were looking at phone numbers company names or or an email that got deleted now we're looking at people's faces right and and, and they're putting a personality to that and so I, I, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. But listen, if you're listening to this, Jesse just gave you some yeah. awesome information to use, to take your clients, serve them, mm -hmm. right. But then interview them so that you can use, you, you know, several different uses for that content. You know, you're serving your client, you're highlighting your client, but then you're also getting content that you can then repurpose and use 
over. So when you say, well, I don't have time to do whatever, I don't have time to create content. Yes, you do. You have time to create content. And in creating that content, you're actually serving your client, which is serving the KPAs eyes while you're doing the KPAs. And I know Bryn wants to say something. I know. I love to I love this. This is such great, like, like mic drop moments. Um, you know, a few things beyond even that content, right? That content is awesome. And people love to share their point of view. It makes them feel special, but competitors want to hear what their colleagues are doing, right? Benchmark reports are so valuable. So you will attract more people like your client because they want to see what is my competitor up to and what are they doing. So that content is awesome. It, you know, you build a stronger relationship and it could be with a prospect too. It doesn't even have to be necessarily with your client. And, and you're asking them their point of view that, that other people like them will care about. And you'll start to attract and engage like a whole sector of people that you're looking to get in front of. And eventually, it won't happen right away, you'll get hands raised and say, hey, I want to be on your show too, because I want to be like these people. Yeah. So, so we're going to kind of bring this in for a landing here. Last question is around consistency. What is, what is one thing, if I'm a sales professional, I'm listening to you now, what's one thing that if I do it consistently, is going to create more opportunities, more conversations for me. Calendar management and time management. Uh, single most important skill that a salesperson can master. Unfortunately, it's often not taught um, by sales effectiveness or sales readiness teams at, at medium or, or small or large companies. But um, everything that salespeople do, content creation, uh, prospecting, uh, follow-up, building decks, uh, allocating time for their own wellness to get away from their screen. Uh, to me, my opinion, and, and this is you know referenced pretty heavily in the book, uh, it all comes down to calendar and time management. I, I can't stress it enough. Uh, Bill and Bryn, your, your points about you know people saying they don't have time to do this or that, that's a false objection. Um, there are enough hours in the day, and, and I'm not saying you need to be working 80 to 100 hour weeks, but there are enough hours in the day if you're organized to do what you need to do as a salesperson to build that consistency. And, and ultimately, when you, when you do those small things well over time, they add up to really, really big things. And um, anyone who's been in this profession for a while and kind of knows the ups and downs and how it happens, um, a lot of times, you know, it takes months, if not years, to get large things to develop but it's the consistency and the persistent through the time management as to how those results are achieved. I know we said that was the last question. Can I ask one more? Because we have- Your, account your, name's, on the, your name's on the door, you can ask. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so, so um, we are obsessed with Sales Navigator. Uh, Sales Navigator is the tool that, that pays for the door, right? Like Sales Navigator is um, foundational. Um, but we will get the question and we have our answer of, well, is it worth the money? We have a hundred sales reps. That's a big nut every month. What do you say to them, Justin? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a hundred percent worth the investment if you're making the investment with an intention to wire it into your overall commercial strategy and you have a plan to measure it. Meaning, you know, I, I, 
if, if I was a sales director and, and I was, or even a CEO of a company and I was thinking about all my investments, um, whether it's something like LinkedIn Sales Navigator or other software, or even something as simple as, are we going to provide people with laptops, headsets, and webcams? Right. Um, it, it's a matter of saying, how does this ultimately flow to the macro level commercial strategy, hopefully around growth mm -hmm. and hopefully with a plan to measure. But if you're a if you're a business person or a decision maker and you're going to buy LinkedIn Sales Navigator or anything for your for your team, your company, and you don't have it connect to your commercial strategy and you don't have a plan to measure, you shouldn't make the investment. Um, and that just that goes across, you know, any investment you'd make for your business. What's the one reason? I mean, I know mine, but what's the one one thing that Sales Navigator will do for their team? that they don't have access to now and can't with any other tool. It's just the access to the data. You know, the 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 company information, the people information, you know, LinkedIn has built a a very large commercial business on the fact that the majority of the data on linkedin.com is gated. And when you start looking at products like LinkedIn Sales Navigator, you're you're getting the access to the data and the ability to organize that data based on your use case. And, and ultimately, if, if your time is valuable and you want to make the best decisions with your time as a business person every single day, you need to be looking at accurate data. And, you know, in, in the commercial world today, I'm not aware of another platform that has more accurate commercial data that auto updates in real time based on the people who author their profiles and, and the companies who, who author their company pages. So to me, that's it. it it's about the access to the data. I, we can't agree more. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, Jesse, thanks so much for being with us here on Making Sales Social. How can people get in touch with you, stay in touch with you, connect? And buy your book. Yeah, no, th thank you both for having me. It was, it was great to chat. Uh, so I'm, I'm available on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, I do a newsletter for, for salespeople and sales leaders on Substack. And um, the book is available. Carry that quota on Amazon, Audible, and all other global outlets where books are sold. Whether you're a, a listener or a reader, you, you can access it pretty uh, pretty easily as long as you have an internet connection um, and and you know a hard copy or soft copy. Uh, they're they're all there. Fantastic. So listen, go visit Amazon, Audible, all those places. Check the book out. Go on to LinkedIn. Look up Jesse Rothstein. Follow him. Connect with him. If you connect with him, let him know that you heard him on Making Sales Social. So thanks everyone for joining us for Making Sales Social. Thanks again, Jesse. Bye everyone, have a great day. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.